of God, praising his name, singing his truth. I invite you to join me in the book of Romans, chapter 15. Maybe pray for the children's church workers. That looks like an ordinary little bunch. We'll be in Romans chapter 15. We are in a little mini-series here uh, that we do from time to time. God's church, God's way. We want to make sure that we keep our focus to be what God's focus for us is. Grace Baptist Church exists to make disciples who worship, grow, and serve. Last week we talked about one way that we serve one another. It's found in our passage, those who are strong in the faith are to set aside their own freedoms as, a necess- as, as being necessary for the benefit of those who are weak in the faith. To be sure, there are many other ways that we serve one another, but that was one. Another way that we serve one another, that you have done this week, you showed up so well for Joyce Leonard's funeral, thank you. Thank you for coming out and encouraging one another, encouraging her family in this time of loss. In all sorts of ways, just being here for a funeral is serving the body of Christ. Yesterday, we had a church work day. Those who helped, uh, thank you. Uh, We got a number of projects knocked out. Uh, Some at least started, and that's a a good way to get going. serving one another by making sure that things get done. Disciples serve. That's what we looked at last week. This week, we will look at the growth of a disciple. Disciples grow. We grow as a disciple by learning the scriptures better, by knowing the word of God, and also by knowing how to handle the word of God. So what are ways that Grace Baptist Church facilitates this type of growth? Well, certainly anytime the word of God is opened, like this worship service, like our ABF, like our Sunday school, these are opportunities to grow on our understanding of scripture. Uh, Smaller group Bible studies that we have, Awana, youth group. We facilitate growth in the word by promoting scripture reading. Now, we make that big emphasis at the end of December, early January, because if you're going to read through the Bible in a year, January 1 is a good place to start. But honestly, you can start any time, especially if you're using an app on your phone. It'll just bring it up for you. It doesn't matter that you haven't been keeping up with a schedule. Start. We encourage scripture reading. Recently, we have installed a discipleship display in the foyer. I know you've seen it. There are resources for Bible studies. There are booklets, pamphlets, and books on counseling topics, evangelism. There are prayer cards for our teammates in discipleship. We call them missionaries. And it's fitting that our missionaries are together with discipleship because disciples is what we're all about, making disciples And primarily, we do that here in Harlan, in our neck of the woods, but we also support those who go outside of our area to make disciples. You've also heard the announcements, and some of you have taken advantage of it. We have some resources that we're giving away. There's a a table in the foyer. Uh, We are downsizing our library intentionally. We have a library of resources for people to use, 
we're downsizing it intentionally because right now it's in Janelle's office and nobody goes in there to look at the library, or at least very seldomly. So we're gonna pull that out and have it a little more curated uh, supply of resources for people to use. All these activities, all these resources are for the express purpose of helping disciples grow. We must grow, and we must help others grow. That is a pretty good definition of discipleship right there. Growing closer to Christ, helping someone else grow closer to Christ. So today's text is in Romans chapter 15. Verse four is our text for the day, but our reading is going to encompass the verses before and after just like we did last week, uh, verses one through seven. So please stand with me as we read the word of God. Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse one. Hear the word of the Lord. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one, with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we understand that uh, the earliest scriptures were written by Moses, and there were so many people before Moses who did not have the written, inspired word of God. Some had verbally shared portions of scriptural truth, to be sure. Father, not only do we have the earliest writings of scripture, we have all the writings of scripture. And Lord, with that familiarity, with that um, common knowledge that we have the completed canon of Scripture, it, uh, Lord, I pray that that would never become less valuable to us. Lord, help us to recognize the treasure that we have. So Lord, guard our hearts, guide our thoughts this morning as we worship you through the word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever run out of gas? Got some confession saying yes, yes. Uh, some of us have from time to time. Uh, when we lived in Dallas, Texas, we owned a, an S10 Blazer, one of those smaller SUVs. We bought it and used, we bought it used and added about 150,000 miles to it. We had driven it for a long time. Um, it's pretty easy to rack up the miles when family is in Iowa and Minnesota and you live in Texas. Uh, and so it was about time to, to sell it, to get something different. And there was a, a high school student, uh, member of our, or coming to our church and um, he needed a vehicle and so we'll, we'll sell it to you. Um, it, it needed some work, he knew it, we let him know everything that, that wasn't working on it. There was one specific thing that wasn't working that he needed to know, it was the gas gauge. 
and he forgot that little tidbit of information. So uh, he was going to buy it. Uh, we were all set to sell it to him. He had the money to buy it, but he hadn't secured insurance yet. He said, well, I'm not going to sell it to you until you have insurance. Uh, that's just unwise in every aspect, especially when you're living in a city as crazy as Dallas. And so um, he had the money for it. The, uh, this was a Sunday. The next day he was going to go get insurance, but Sunday he was driving on the street that just goes past our church. It was a six-lane street. The speed limit was 35, but people drove 50 usually. Um, he ran out of gas, and he got rear-ended by someone who was more intent on looking at their phone than watching the road ahead of them and totaled that blazer. Oh my goodness. Running out of gas destroyed that vehicle. By the way, the occupants were fine. We were fine. Uh, we were gonna sell it for a few hundred. We got a few thousand out of it from the insurance. But running out of gas destroyed that vehicle. Disciples of Jesus who do not grow are like a car that runs out of gas. It might just be an inconvenience, it might just slow them down for a little while, but it also might make a wreck of their lives. Our big idea this morning is disciples live in the scripture. Verse four is our text. And we see first of all, disciples start in the Bible, our foundation is the scripture. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Verse four starts out. Paul is making a clear statement regarding the authority of scripture. There are all sorts of books that you and I might choose to read. It's not a bad thing to do. But no book that you or I might read has the authority that Scripture has. There's two words in the first part of this verse that I want to highlight. Those words are whatever and instruction. Whatever gives an all-inclusive weight to the statement, verse four, for whatever was written in former days, he's speaking of scripture, he's not talking about all writings of history, he's talking about scripture. This word whatever gives this inclusiveness to all of scripture, so all of the Old Testament is there so that we can learn from it, even the boring genealogies, even the repetition that we find that like, didn't I just read this a little bit ago? Yes. All of it. So as we've been going through the book of Exodus together and reading of Pharaoh's interaction with Moses and Aaron and about Pharaoh's defiance against God, that's part of the whatever. Later on, as we continue in the book of Exodus and we see the details of building the tabernacle, that's part of the whatever. It's part of scripture that is given to us for our instruction. That second word, of course, is instruction. We are to learn from all of scripture. That doesn't mean that every passage hits us in the same way, okay? Not every command in the Old Testament is a command for us. 
For example, God commanded Jonah to go to Nineveh does not mean that you or I are commanded to go to Nineveh. But Jonah's refusal to go stands as an example for us of what not to do. And the way God arranged the circumstances of Jonah's life, that, that storm when he's on the ship, the sailors throwing him into the sea, the great fish swallowing him whole and keeping him alive for three days. We can learn that when God wants us to do something, he will lead you in one way or another to do it. There's all sorts of good things that we can learn from the book of Jonah. So we take into consideration God's intent the author's intent to the original audience, we take into consideration his ongoing intent for us. Therefore, all of Scripture is written for our instruction. Because we have that all-inclusive term, whatever, we know that indeed there is no Scripture that is not for us. All Scripture is for us. So with this foundation, the question for us to answer with every passage we read is, how is this passage for me? How am I supposed to relate to this passage? Is it a warning? Is it a command? Is it something to encourage me? Is it something for me to tell others about? A companion verse to our text today is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Many of you are probably already thinking it. Paul wrote to young Timothy... I, I do appreciate that Paul called someone in his 40s young. Anyway, he, he wrote to Timothy and said, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture All scripture is directly from God and all scripture is profitable for us. It's important that we remind, us, remind ourselves of this truth from time to time because even seasoned believers who have been reading the Bible for decades can forget the all. All scripture is for our benefit. It's profitable. So a seemingly uninteresting conversation between two people that happened thousands of years ago but is recorded in Scripture is there for our profit. Whether we immediately recognize it or not, it's there for us. So with the unbending proposition that the Word of God is intentionally for us, then it's not for us to assume that it means what we want it to mean, but for us to discern what God intends for it to mean so that we can extract from the text what we should do, say, or think. Disciples start in the Bible. Secondly, disciples strive in the Bible. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance, that's the striving, through endurance and the hope and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Endurance is an important aspect of being a disciple. 
The word endurance just by itself implies struggle. Here's the the dictionary definition of the, the Greek word underlying that word endurance. It's the capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances. In other words, the Christian life is not a passive waiting game until we see Jesus. We must endure. And continuing in the word, being steadfast in the word is how we endure. It's not the entire picture of how we endure, but it's the start. It's the foundation of how we endure because disciples live in the scripture. Show me someone who has grown cold in their faith and you will see someone, I guarantee it, you'll see someone who has been neglecting their time in the word. Alternately, show me someone who is vibrant in their faith, and I guarantee you that same person has a very healthy relationship with the Word of God. They seek to hear from God through the Bible, because that's how we hear from God every day, regularly. By the way, the key here is not just indifferently handling the Word or, or just for the sake of reading, reading. Reading the Bible for the sake of reading the Bible will not flourish, will not make a flourishing disciple. And pastors, I am not exempt from this principle. Pastor Dan is not exempt from this principle. I handle the scripture all the time for the sake of producing Bible studies, for the sake of answering people's questions, for the sake of this sermon. But if I do not intentionally pursue God while searching the scriptures, I too will stagnate. Teachers, is your time in the word simply lesson prep? Or is it drawing you closer to God? Are you seeking God to know him more through the word? Being devoted to God by reading his word is how we grow. It's our fuel. The connection Paul is drawing here in verse four is that the word is principle in fueling our endurance, staying faithful to Christ through struggle and opposition. That same word translated as endurance is found in various places in the New Testament. Here's how the writer of Hebrews used the same word. Hebrews 10, 36 through 38. Hebrews 10, 36. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And then he quotes the Old Testament going forward in verses 37 and 38. It says, For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. That's the importance of endurance. Endurance is not just a nice idea for believers. Endurance is required. We need to endure. And growing in Scripture is how we do that. Paul uses this same word, endurance, earlier in the book of Romans. Um, He uses it twice in in chapter 15, twice in two verses. So we see it today in verse 4. We'll see it again next week in verse 5. Spoiler alert. 
But he also did the same thing back in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Again, endurance implies struggle. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Hope is powerful. Hope is looking ahead with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. Hope is not technically an emotion. We sometimes refer to it that way. Hope is an outlook. In other words, we can make ourselves hope. We can train ourselves to have that outlook of what God is, has promised to do that is good in our lives. Because our emotion can be fear. We can be afraid of what's going on, of that bad situation that's happening that's implied by the word endurance. We could be sad because our immediate circumstances are just awful. Being a Christian does not exempt us from the emotions of life, right? But we can still have hope. Today's passage directs us in just that way. Disciples start in the Bible, they strive, they continue in the Bible, and they, thirdly, stay in the Bible. I was just in Romans chapter 5 where he connects endurance to hope, but that's what he does in our verse today too, doesn't he? Romans 15, 4, today's passage. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Whereas endurance is persisting despite struggle, encouragement is consolation. Do you see the difference in those two words? They're both here. Endurance is persisting even though life is hard, Encouragement is being comforted. It's, it's consolation. So together, endurance and encouragement make a powerful concoction to produce the hope, the outlook that God has designed for us to have, for us to live. There are some who can endure, but who don't have the encouragement of the, script, of the Scriptures. Endurance without encouragement can be stubborn self-sufficiency. I'm not going to let the stress of this life get me down. There are some people who have a very um, strong attitude and can pull that off. But that's a self-sufficiency. That's not depending on God. So endurance without, encourage, without encouragement can be self-sufficiency. And encouragement of the Bible without endurance... Well, by definition, that's not going to last, right? The scripture may encourage you in the moment, but because you don't have endurance, it fades. But together, endurance with encouragement of the scripture. So endurance coupled together, like, like two train cars, two, two engine cars 
coupled together, both pulling in the same direction, together aspiring to be strong in the Lord, that's endurance, and being actively reassured by the scripture, that's encouragement. Together, you will have a consistent, positive outlook because of how God has acted in the past. We don't know the full details of how he's going to act in our lives today or in the next hour or tomorrow or next week. We don't know. Thanksgiving is coming up. Christmas is coming up. And all the fun family food that goes with it. Sorry for those of you who fun family and food also incorporates fighting. Um, I trust that's not the case. There's all sorts of good things to look forward to, but we don't actually know that any of that's going to happen. Right? All we have is the history of, well, in the past several years, we've gotten together as a family and it's been a good time. Thing is, family isn't consistent. Family can change. Our God does not. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that means you're saved. That means that you have recognized your sinful state before God Almighty and said, I recognize that my life is Uh, is rebellion against you that I am the enemy of God and you have accepted his free gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone you are then a disciple and if you are a disciple who's growing that means you're healthy that means you're active disciples live in the scripture whatever was written in former days was written for us so that through endurance and the encouragement of scriptures we might have that positive outlook that is not fanciful, that is not wishful, but is based in the reality of how God has been acting in centuries and millennia past. Because God doesn't change, because his promises never fail, we might have hope. Let's think through some examples of what was written in the past. Exodus is on the mind. It wasn't that long ago we were in it. Our entire series of Exodus, God's people were enslaved, mistreated, oppressed. And in Exodus 2.24, God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And remember when we talked about that, we said that when God hears and remembers, it means he's going to act on it. Exodus 3, verses 7 and 8, the next chapter. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Back up before the book of Exodus. The way all the people of Israel got into Egypt to begin with. Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. That is not something that was fun for him. Can you even imagine? Having your own siblings hate you so much that they want to kill you, but the oldest has a little bit of compassion or a a little bit of fear of God and says, no, don't kill him. Let's sell him into slavery instead. But at the end of it, At the end of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Jacob, speaking to his brothers who did this to him, says, as for you, 
You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. We will endure all sorts of evil. We will endure all sorts of pain. But God has a purpose in it. Of course, who wouldn't forget David fighting Goliath and the great victory that God caused to happen? He made it happen because one young man had faith in God. Sure, David was confident in his own skill, but did he say that? No, he was angry that the Philistines were defying the God of Israel. And actually, he was angry with his own countrymen for not trusting God. And so in that faith, he went out and slew Goliath. But not every example given to us for our instruction is is positive like these have been. Because we know the Exodus, we know they're going to get out of Egypt. What about Hosea? Hosea was a man of God. He was a prophet. And God told him, commanded him, marry an unfaithful woman. Marry a prostitute who is going to be unfaithful to you. Can you imagine? Hosea's marriage to Gomer was a long and painful picture for God's people to understand God's persistent love for his rebellious people. Great instruction for us that God redeems the unfaithful despite their unfaithfulness. But it's also an example of how life is not always going to go well for the believer. On this side of heaven anyway. Disciples start, they strive, and they stay in the Bible. The Bible must be our life. So my question for you to consider, for each of us to consider, is how are we doing? Is Scripture a high priority in your life? Even just a few moments of meditating on a single verse can change your entire day. So maybe you didn't have time in the morning to read 17 chapters. That's okay. Spend some time in the Word. What is your plan for reading the Scripture? Do you have a plan? If you'd like one, we can point you in that direction. Read broadly. Read big passages of scripture. Whether or not you make it through the entire Bible in a year, that's okay, but read. Slow down and study smaller portions from time to time. All this should be part of our plan. Why? Because that's our fuel. It's what feeds us. It's what keeps us on the right direction. Would you pray with me? Lord, not all believers of all times have had access to your word like we do. And with the, the bits and pieces that they knew about God, the, the 
the portions of scripture that they did have, Lord, you used it in a powerful way. Lord, forgive us for the way that we take our wealth of scripture and, and just too often ignore it. Lord, I pray that you would make this verse come to life in our hearts. That we would have a hunger for your word and that as we take the scriptures, regardless of whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, whether it's uh, letters to the church or poetry to, uh, to the nation of Israel, uh, whatever portion of scripture it is, your word tells us that if we endure in it, that your encouragement from the word will produce hope, an unshakable outlook because your promises are true. So Father, for the one here today who is faithful, who loves your word and has been reading it daily, Lord, encourage them. And for the one who's struggling, Lord, Lord, give them motivation to, to get back on track, to, to recognize the truth of today's sermon. And Lord, I ask for your blessing. I ask that you would, would make this, the struggling saint who is willing to spend some time in your word, that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, and that you'd give them hope. Lord, thank you for meeting with us today. I ask that your word would take up residence in our hearts so that it would change us, so that it would become uh, the topic of conversation that that we bring up with our friends, with our family, with our fellow church members, with our neighbors and unsaved friends. Lord, help us to live in the scriptures. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.